is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, 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 July 27th. And so that means that it's been eight days since we posted our last episode, which was episode two of our NCAA Doomsday series. As you can tell by the title, this is another NCAA Doomsday series episode. This is episode three, and we are going to be talking about college coach buyouts today in specific, but we're also going to be talking about how that kind of relates to the downfall of the NCAA and how since coaches are getting so much money and there's so much money revolving around coaches being fired or coaches leaving and everything like that, how that can probably soon signal schools paying players to play for their programs and everything like that. That's kind of the big picture that, that we're going to get into today. And I'm going to let Matt explain kind of the, the general consensus and the general stuff first. And then we're going to get into some specific, some specific stories and yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. Matt, are you excited for this episode? I am. I definitely am. Yeah. And, and, Kind of what Hayden said, it's, you know, this is the NCAA Doomsday series. We've already kind of presented a lot of arguments and and such unto the like of of why where college sports is going includes a lot of, you know, the 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 players being paid as as well as the, the way the schools and the conferences are making money. A lot of this stuff doesn't really have to do with the NCAA, right? The NCAA is not liable for paying the players. The NCAA is, is not brokering the TV deals between the conferences and, and the networks who are providing the TV uh, you know, coverage for those teams. So realistically, a lot of what kind of comes out of this equation is does not have to do with the NCAA. Um, you know, they're there to provide resources and they're there to provide payments in in some circumstances they host they host events uh, all this other type of stuff but at the end of the day college sports is only going to become such a bigger deal and such a bigger money maker to the point where you know right a lot of this stuff is is not going to matter too much on, in terms of whatever the NCAA is doing as kind of a you know an all being power on top of everything um and so really why we're kind of then going into this episode is, is going to feature the ways in which the schools are making a lot of money as well as the conferences are making a lot of money and, and kind of how schools can, you know, there are options for how schools can shell out that money either to the players or to the coaches or to the leagues, right. The conferences themselves in order to then be able to kind of have their own entity, right. To, to, to be kind of come, become their own sports, uh, you know, sports program. Um, and then kind of off of that, the, the conference is kind of becoming their own leagues. And, and like I said, that that leads to really the NCAA having no bearing over over what happens. And so that's why in this episode, it's like, hey, you know, we've talked about what the NCAA has done or has not done, right? The lack thereof. Uh, now we're going to talk about what the schools have at their disposal, kind of the the behind the behind the scenes on on some of the you know f- features of what the schools are paying for are not paying for that type of thing to then kind of argue well hey the the, the schools have a lot more leftover money you know there there's probably going to eventually be some sort of law or or regulations that come into effect uh around paying the players because NIL has already taken effect and we've seen you know the the, the gigantic amounts of money that that is kind of coming along with that and then you know after that what are going to be, you know, our predictions for 
what's going to happen and, and kind of the ramifications of all of this NIL paying the players, pay, players being employees possibly, which we'll actually get into in this episode as well. What are the ramifications of that in terms of, you know, what we think the future is going to be of college sports? And that's kind of going to be our next episode to kind of just round everything out. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's, you know, kind of gives a little bit of a preview and and then also goes on top of what Hayden was saying about, about you know, why we should be accept, excited for this episode because there's a lot of stuff that is behind the scenes and that you hear about, you know, in your ESPN notifications and you read some Bleacher Report articles, you'll, you'll see it. But, you know, what does that stuff mean? Um, you know, we're going to get into all that here in this episode. All right, so we've been railing on the NCAA for the past two episodes, pretty much, for its treatment of its athletes. And after having a whole episode last week regarding where exactly the $8 billion in annual revenue goes, we now want to focus more on, obviously, the schools themselves, like Matt said, and how, in specific, how coaching buyouts work. Now, if you don't know what a coaching buyout is, I will explain it for you. So, essentially... College coach contracts are mostly they're, they're basically fully guaranteed money, but they're not really time based. And so they so a college will say, OK, well, we're going to give you X amount of money and you have to co- and you basically just coach for us for however much time you're here for. Because, again, it's it, it's not a professional business, really. It's not supposed to be. And it's not really modeled after that. It's kind of like if you've ever been, you know, part of like a high school team then you have an athletic director. And if your coach for that team in high school isn't doing well, that athletic director can fire that coach and they're out of there. Right now it's the same thing in college. They have an athletic director for the school and it's probably a different process. So, you know, there's probably more that goes into firing a coach and more that goes into those kinds of decisions than just the athletic director being like, okay, you're out of here. But that's essentially what 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 happens is that a, a coach either is fired or can leave on their own if a better opportunity opens up. So those are the two scenarios that we're looking at. Now, like I said, colleges offer new head coaches very large sums of mon- guaranteed money that is supposed to last over a long period of time, right? Because, you know, assuming that coach does well for the program, they're going to be there for a long period of time. Now, if that coach doesn't do well over that time period, then you know, and the athletic director is forced to fire that coach, they often have more guaranteed money left in their contract that has to be paid to them in some way because, right, they, they have a contract and they have some kind of annual salary that's promised to them. But if, they, if their time there gets cut short and they're basically min- missing out on some of that guaranteed money, then that program has to pay that coach the rest of that money that was guaranteed to them basically, you know, before they were fired. And so that money has to be paid to them in some way, but in the same sense, a winning coach can leave if another better opportunity can, comes up uh, at another school. So they, so a winning coach, if they're doing well at, at a particular program, they can leave for another opportunity at another school. But in that case, the, that coach essentially has to pay back their former school for leaving and doing whatever damage to the program they did, because obviously them leaving is most likely going to be unexpected and it's going to do, it's going to do some kind of harm to that program. So they have to usually pay a buyout back to their former school for leaving and taking this better opportunity. Now there's, there's pretty much one of two, this can happen in one of two ways and it can kind of go one of two ways. So if the coach is doing well at one school, 
and leaves by choice to join another school's program, the situation that I just described, he usually has to pay a pretty big buyout to, you know, back to his um, back to his old university in order to compensate them for the damage that he's that he's doing by leaving. Now, if the coach is fired by the university because he's doing a bad job, the school has to pay him whatever money is left in his initial contract. Right. That that all makes sense. But the where it gets weird is when the new university that this coach is going to pays the buyout for him. So there's this really weird situation, really ridiculous situation that I'm going to describe here. And I'll, and I'll let Matt give his thoughts on this um, after I give this situation, but there's a super crazy situation here where a school is forced to fire their head coach. So let's just say, let's just say Alabama fires Nick Saban. Okay. And so they have to pay the rest of his guaranteed salary to him while he's not even affiliated with the, with the university anymore. They're not only going to do that, but they're going to hire a new head coach, obviously, to fill his spot. And they're going to be paying him his new multi-million dollar salary because it's Alabama. And in order to coach there, you're going to get millions of dollars. And it doesn't only stop there, but there's a third catch. This same university now also has to pay this new head coach that's coming in to replace Nick Saban. They have to pay his his new buyout, basically. So that coach that they're taking from some other university, they're going to have to be paying, Alabama's going to have to be paying whatever coach or whatever school that new coach is coming from. They're going to have to pay his buyout to that other school. So they're essentially paying three people at once. They're paying Nick Saban, who's left and who isn't even affiliated with the university anymore. They're paying the new head coach some crazy amount of money. And then they're paying that new head coach's buyout to his previous school that he was at. And these are all, all three of these are multi-million dollar deals that we're talking. Like it's it's crazy amounts of money. That sounds pretty crazy to me, Matt. How do you feel about it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and it's crazy that that happens, right? That's what we're trying to do here to 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 tell you guys. Like, look, universities are 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 paying out all this extra money to people who you don't even really hear about. You don't even really know that it's going on. Um, and and so really, and and I think kind of you know what Hayden is kind of summary I'll summarize kind of what he's saying here is really this this whole buyout idea takes effect upon one university firing its coach right and it doesn't have to be a head coach and and I'm going to give examples of this later on it can be defensive coordinators it can be your quarterback's coach it can be your your offensive line coach whenever a coach is fired they are then still compensated for whatever the remainder of that contract stipulated. And that's because, and again, you know, we're not going to get too, you know, lawyery up all up in this, but it's cool to understand it. And I think that it's, it's one of those niche subjects in college sports that it also happens in the NFL, but it's just not, it's not as prevalent. And it's also not as well, I would say frowned upon because in the NFL, it's a business already. And you don't have, you know, schools that are paying these, these coaches, uh, you know, the money that they do or do not deserve. So anyway, the reason that they're paying this money, the reason that they're paying the buyouts of the coaches that they fire is because they entered in previously entered into a contract with that coach. And, you know, if you've, if you've taken any sort of law class or, or really anything to do with law, you understand that if you enter into a contract with someone, both ends of the contract, the school and the coach um, sign, you know, on the dotted line saying that, you know, the school saying we will pay you this amount of money, uh, you know, per year based on 
whatever we think that you are worth, right? So, so you know, if if we think your worth is eight million dollars per year, we're going to pay you eight million dollars per year. And there's also bonuses and incentives and stuff like that. So, a a, a funny example of of a bonus or an incentive is actually Kentucky's head coach. Mark Stoops, who's actually the brother of Bob Stoops and has been doing a really good job at Kentucky, right? So he, he's kind of, you know, they were at the bottom of the of the SEC for a while there. Mark Stoops took over. He's a defensive-minded, run the ball, you know, run heavy first, uh, you know, coach. And, and, and they've, Kentucky's football program has really risen up the ranks in the last few years um you know five or six years i think that you know each year they've gotten kind of like one more win one or two more wins uh and and so a, a kind of you know way that colleges will you know based on how well the team does the college will pay an incentive to a coach saying okay if you get this amount of wins in this year you know you'll make a bonus of of this many you know this amount of dollars um so i don't know exactly how it works out in mark stoops contract but i do know that with mark stoops being the head coach it was you know if you're able to win six six if you haven't had you know win six games in by the year 2020 you will you know be awarded five hundred thousand dollars extra if you're able to win eight games by the year 2021 you'll, you know, you'll be able to, to earn this much extra, you know, 800, $750,000, $800,000 extra as a bonus, uh, because you've won this amount of games. And, and again, that's all stipulated on the, tra- in, the in the contract. So when Mark Stoops and Kentucky sat down to find their, to, to sign their first contract way back in, I guess it was like 2016 or something. Um, this was all written out, you know, so it was like, you know, Hey, you had eight year contract, Here's what we're paying you per year. Here's what your bonuses and incentives are based on what we are paying you. And and then what your kind of, you know, your market value should be based on the wins that you're getting the team because you're a really good coach, right? And he's actually done that. So a lot of this stuff, he's being paid obviously per year, but then he's being paid the bonuses and incentives because he is reaching those goals. And therefore, you know, he should be paid the money that he is paid. So there's a lot that goes into these coaches contracts and a lot more than even the bonuses and incentives and, you know, all that other stuff. But right at a certain point, a coach is not going to be like Mark Stoops, right? A coach is going to, is going to not do well. A coach is not going to win the, the, you know, the, the required number of games to keep the fans happy, keep the boosters happy to keep the university happy and to end up recruiting players for the next few cycles of these, you know, of college football seasons and the, you know, the college football team or, or the university can, can kind of sense that the college football team uh, and this goes for basketball as well. And, and, you know, that's pretty much it because that's really where, you know, the, the money comes from, but also where the the college basketball and football coaches are paid the most. So once they start to kind of, you know, not do as well, it's up to the university to say, well, we think we can do better with someone else. Okay. And again, they make the schools make so much money off of their programs, their football and basketball programs being good that essentially they can handle all this. They can pay the buyouts for these coaches. They can pay for, you know, the extra coach to come in and, and you know, and then pay for the buyout for the other player, pay the coach during their salary for this year, and then also pay the other university that they took that coach from. That's kind of what Hayden was getting at here, right? Is that like, because the university's programs, sports programs do well, they make exponentially amount, you know, exponentially more amounts of money. And, and that's how kind of this, you get into this whole domino effect with these coaches. But but as Hayden said, you you end up in a situation where coaches are being paid millions of dollars for not even coaching for that team, which I think is absolutely insane. Right. Um, and, and so 
that's kind of where we get to in this in this buyout period. And and then what that ends up coming is or sorry, with the money that the buyout ends up kind of, you know, being called, it's it's called dead money. Now, again, you also have this in the NFL. So for players who they cut, right? For players who are cut, for players who are traded away, whatever it may be, there's a dead cap hit. And you've probably heard that if you've kind of looked into any of these contract negotiations and stuff, dead cap salary hit money essentially is a bunch of different words to just say the team is paying or the universe, well, the university in this case, but the team in the NFL, the team is paying extra money to take on the contract of the player that it traded for, that it signed, right? Or they're paying extra money to a player who they already were in contract agreements with, but had to release that that player or cut that player because they didn't want that player to be on their team anymore, right? And so that's kind of, you know, where in the NFL or in the NBA and, and you know, these professional sports leagues, it's dead cap money because essentially you're either paying for a player from another team or you're paying for a player that you already cut but that, you know, you're still have to having to pay that salary and that salary is going up against the salary cap because that's all included in the, you know, under the umbrella of the salary cap. So it's kind of the same way in college sports, except there is no salary cap in college sports, baby. So it's all up to the university to pay whatever they think is worthy of either a coach being fired or a new coach coaching with the team right now who they got from a smaller you know different university usually smaller sometimes bigger university that they're also going to be paying the buyout of that contract with to that other school so Hayden did a good job breaking breaking it down hopefully you know I was able to kind of make sense in the in the more specifics that I went into here with the buyout and the dead money and all this stuff and and now I think it's probably a perfect time to get to then kind of you know hey Let's put some let's put some actual numbers to this. Let's put some 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 examples to this and kind of see how this breaks down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Hayden kind of give an example of a crazy buyout situation uh, with Charlie Weiss that dates back all dates all the way back to 2005. And then I will kind of then come a little bit more modern and and we'll look at some of the schools who are currently in buyout deals and and paying coaches and and kind of how that adds up and it's crazy it is crazy how much it adds up uh into dead money that the university's paying buyouts to coaches all that stuff so Hayden take it away yeah that's exactly right so starting out with Charlie Weiss here like Matt said dating all the way back to 2005 so Notre Dame hired Charlie Weiss and if you watched college football back then, I mean, this was a huge deal. They well, basically Charlie Weiss, you know, agreed that he would go to Notre Dame and he, he basically told everybody that he was going to give them some kind of crazy schematic advantage over all of their opponents and that he was going to be the real deal. And he was going to change Notre Dame football and make them win essentially, (laughs) which, you know, Notre Dame has always been pretty good at at football. You know, they've always been a powerhouse and, kind of the odd, the oddball out because they're not in conference, but right. Charlie Weiss, you know, strutted his stuff going into Notre Dame and within five years he was fired. I think in 2010, he got fired because he didn't do what he promised to do. And he got beat by Navy twice in five years, actually, no twice in, I think twice in three years it was. So yeah. And, and Navy sucks. Like they're really, really bad. So um, obviously, you know, that was a, that was a reason to fire him. And so five years later, obviously they, uh, they, they went ahead and done and did that, but they had a huge buyout to pay him because they promised him a bunch of money because he had promised them that he was going to give or bring, basically bring in so much money for them and so many wins and everything like that. 
which he didn't do. So they were forced to fire him, which again is, is one of those things where it's like, it's like a blessing and a curse because you're getting a guy out and you're saying, okay, well let's restart. Let's start over and, and have a, have a fresh start with our program. But then we got to pay him so much money because we promised him so many, so much guaranteed money and we're firing him. So we're essentially going to be paying him to leave our university. That's that, that's the problem here. That's what so many of these programs have run into. So essentially what, what he did was he left Notre Dame agreeing to receive $2 million per year over the, I, I don't even know how much the total buyout was, but I, I know that I was reading an article that was written in 2018 and he was fired in 2000, 2010. And so he was still making two million dollars that year that the article was written so i so i guess eight years so eight times two is 16 million dollars so it was at least 16 million dollars right that he was that he was promised to leave notre dame and he was getting paid that over a, a very long period of time but again i mean he's getting two million dollars a year you don't need to do anything right you just need to sit there on your couch and watch notre dame be better without you and you're still going to be making two million dollars a year and um, he actually ended up being yeah, he was one of the highest paid Notre Dame employees over that eight year span, making two million dollars a year. And he wasn't at all affiliated with the university. That's what I was trying to get to earlier is that like these guys are making so much money from these universities. They're one of the highest paid employees. I mean, you know, your average professors getting like 100 K a 100k a year that's like the the average uh, professor salary and these guys are making two million dollars a year and they're not even doing anything for the university so it's like it, it's so backwards that that this is happening but it doesn't stop there in 2012 the university of kansas decided that they would uh that they would basically roll the dice with charlie weiss again and oh wow that was kind of cool roll the dice with charlie weiss uh but yeah that they decided that they were going to give him a shot and they said okay well come to Kansas. We know that you didn't really do anything or anything that you promised at Notre Dame, but come to Kansas because you're going to do well here. Well, that didn't work out too good. They ended up firing him in the middle of his third season there. So he didn't even get to finish three seasons and they had to fire him in the middle of the season. That's really bad. When a, when a college program has to fire a coach mid season, you know, it's, you know, it's really bad, but Kansas ended up doing the same thing. So they ended up giving him millions to stop coaching there. And so basically what Charlie Weiss was getting was he was getting a salary from Notre Dame and a salary from Kansas when he wasn't even doing anything for either of those universities, essentially from, I guess, 20, 2016 through 2018, um, these three years, he was, he was getting money and multi-million dollar salary things that we're talking here. He was getting a combined $24 million in buyout money from both Notre Dame and Kansas. So he, he got $24 million from those two schools for doing nothing for their program. And um, he, I think in total for the total amount of money that he got, not including, well, including both buyout, buyout money and the money that he made while he was coaching at both of those programs, he made more than $40 million for giving both programs more losses than wins. So he lost more. So he had a losing record essentially. And he made $40 million in both buyout money and salary money when he was coaching at those programs over, I don't know, this is, I mean, pretty much going on 15 years. I, I assume that both of those buyouts or at least one of those buyouts extended to 2020. 
Um, and so if we go back 20, you know, 2005 to, to 2020, that's 15 years. He made $40 million over, over 15 years. And he had a losing record at, or he had a combined losing record at Kansas and Notre Dame. And yeah, he's sitting pretty with $40 million in his pocket. That's, that's just an example of how crazy this has been. And this is, again, this is kind of, you know, in the past, like this is not current, like Matt's going to talk about soon with the crazy, the crazy co- coaching contracts that we see today, you know, the Lincoln Riley contract at USC, which is probably the craziest coaching contract we've ever seen because yeah, we, we explained that on an earlier episode and Matt might mention that and um, you know, coming up here in a little bit, but again, this has been, this has been happening. This is something that's been happening since, 2005 right so it's it's not really a new thing but it's something that um that has to be paid attention to because again once these players once these college athletes are getting nil deals with other entities other than you know the ncaa and, and the schools and everything i've i read an article that said that that essentially makes the schools it gives the schools more of an incentive to pay their coaches more because if the players are gaining more then why not pay the coaches more that's that's kind of just something that I want to mention that we can maybe dive into in a little bit, but Matt, go ahead and give some examples of some current coaching buyouts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give two examples from kind of two different uh, stratospheres here. Okay. So we got two examples of current coaches who have insane buyout potential right if they were to get fired because Hayden kind of already got a good example of, of of a coach who is has already been fired and is still making money based on the buyout uh, that he agreed to with the universities that fired him I'm going to give two examples of schools that or coaches that have insanely large buyouts with their schools right now and then I'm going to give two examples of schools who are still paying buyouts to multiple coaches who they fired over the course of however many years, it doesn't exactly say, but just that, you know, it's still going on. So my first example is Dabo Sweeney. We all know Dabo Sweeney. He's the coach of Clemson. He's been the coach of Clemson since I think like 2014, 2015, something like that. Great story. Had nothing as a kid, worked his way up, walk on, you know, football player at Clemson, rose up through the ranks of coaching at Clemson, built his his program into an absolute powerhouse. Uh, you know, they've won the ACC. Well, they didn't win the ACC last year, but prior to that, they won the ACC, I think six straight times. They'd made four out of the six, uh, they'd have, you know, appearances in four out of the six college football playoffs. They'd won two, two national championships. Uh, you know, a- amazing program, dynasty, right? But just, just absolutely great. So obviously as such, Clemson is going to pay Davo Sweeney a, a handsome sum of money, right? And and so based on the contract that he agreed to, Debo Sweeney has a buyout currently of $40.3 million, okay, which basically means that if Clemson was to fire Debo Sweeney, which, which probably won't happen, okay, but that's why my next example is pertinent because that's the, it's a coach that has an insanely large buyout that actually might be fired. Clemson's probably not going to fire Debo Sweeney, right? But if he was to be fired this year, Clemson either the Clemson, the school or whatever school that, that Dabo Sweeney gets hired by would have to pay Dabo Sweeney $40 million. And, and then let's kind of put this into perspective because as Hayden said, you can have a coach, which is coaching for a team, making a salary from that coach, but then also being paid the buyout from their previous deal. Okay. So if Clemson was to fire Dabo Sweeney and Dabo Sweeney went to, I don't know, TCU, right. 
Sonny Dykes not doing it for TCU. Gary Patterson left TCU. Now Sonny Dykes comes in. Sonny Dykes kind of sucks, right? So they want Debo Sweeney. All right. Well, Debo Sweeney is going to get paid by TCU probably about $10 million a year, right? Because that's just kind of the going rate for coaches, college coaches at this point. $10 million per year for, you know, from TCU to, to be the coach there. And then another, however, whatever they agree to, essentially $40 million worth of buyout money from Clemson. So like this guy is just making out, right? He's got a bunch of money in his pocket. He's lining. It. He's, he's, he's got it right. Kind of like Charlie Weiss this guy. He really, uh, you know, he, he really kind of struck a deal with, uh, with the heavens on this one being fired from two different schools and, and actually in very opposite circumstances too, because Notre Dame is a perennially good, strong winning team. And then Kansas is probably the worst FBS team over the yeah. past 10 years. Uh, and he couldn't do it at either school yet. He still is getting paid by both schools for, for sucking. Uh, so, so good on you, Charlie Weiss, but that's an example, obviously of Dabo Sweeney probably won't be fired and probably will not end up, you know, kind of dealing anywhere near what this $40 million buyout would be. Indiana though, hired Tom Allen about five years ago. And Tom Allen's current buyout rate is $30.5 million. And you've never heard of the guy. Neither had I. Well, I had because I'm a nut sports fan. But who who knows who Tom Allen is? Where did he come from? I don't know. It's Cotton Eye Joe. What are we doing here? All right. So Tom Allen's buyout is, is over $30 million. And, and this is a great example because Two years ago, right? Well, let's actually throw this back to whenever Tom Allen started to coach there, which I think was five or six years ago. Indiana hasn't really done much, okay? They haven't really had much NFL product. They haven't really made it to many bowl games. They haven't definitely haven't been in contention for the Big Ten or for a national championship by far, okay? So what do we have here? Okay, fine. We go to 2020. It's the COVID year. Everyone is, you know, how many games are we going to even play? The Big Ten didn't even know if they were going to play football that season. They ended up playing six total games. It was a wreck. Indiana went four and two in a COVID year and made the Big Ten championship. Okay. They played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Just the way that the divisions in the Big Ten worked out, whatever. Okay, fine. You have Michael Penix Jr., you know, bringing the team to, uh, you know, to, to its knees and, and, and putting the team on his back and, and being the savior of, uh, of Bloomingdale, Indiana here. And you have that, you know, that crazy, you've probably seen at this point, but it's that crazy ending uh, to the Indiana Penn state game where he's reaching his hand over the, over the goal line. And, you know, did he oh, actually sweet. touch the pylon or not? It's, it's literally too close to call. Like you can watch it back as many times as you want to, and you're never going to be able to tell. They gave it to Indiana. Indiana makes it to the big 10 championship. Indiana's back. And then what happens next year? Okay. Well, Michael Penix jr. Gets hurt. He's tears his ACL second game of the season. Wow. Well, that sucks. All right. The backup, I forget his name. He also tears, well, he tears his Achilles out for the season. And this is like four games in. Okay. So they're already down to their third string quarterback four games into the season. And they end up winning only two games last year. They go two and 10. Okay. So as you can see, and Michael Penix, by the way, who's the quarterback who led Indiana to this, you know, to this great, uh, these, these, these great wins and everything, this big 10 championship birth transfers to Washington. So he's at UW now playing quarterback for this upcoming season. And now they're stuck with the backup of doors Achilles last year. Who knows if that guy's even healthy. They only won two games last year. What's the outlook on Indiana this year? I don't think it's going to be good. Even if it is, say they make a bowl game. Okay, cool. The recruiting classes aren't good for the, for the upcoming years. Okay, so I don't think that's even going to really have any bearing on what they're going to be doing pretty soon down the line. All right. 
it's pretty likely that Tom Allen's going to be fired pretty soon. And this is a perfect example of a guy who's kind of just random, random guy, coaches for a random school, hasn't had much success at all, but is going to make a $30 million buyout because he sucks, right? He was good enough to get his name in the door. He kind of sucked when he was a coach, but doggone it, you're going to make all the money in the world because Indiana University is going to pay you all that money in the world. So now let's transfer. Well, first of all, I'm going to get Hayden's thoughts on that. And then I'm going to transfer over to, uh, to to some current schools who are paying out buyouts. That's really, you're going to think is pretty insane. Hayden, what do you think about, uh, about our examples, Debo Sweeney and Tom Allen here? Yeah, well, I was really surprised about the Tom Allen thing because, again, I didn't well, I didn't even know his name before he mentioned him. And it makes sense, though, because Michael Penix Jr., I remember that name and I remember that play against Penn State. And you reminding me of that was was pretty cool, because, again, I haven't really thought about that since it happened. But I would say that that's probably like one of the yeah, one of the closest calls. I mean, other than I guess maybe like the Des Bryant catch against the Packers or I think that was against the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, other than that, like. That's, you know, that's among the the closest calls of all time in football. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the the whole Dabo Sweeney and and, um, and Tom Allen situations, what we're actually talking about here and the point of what we're talking about. Yeah, it, it just shows you like you could have a coach that just is, is kind of a nobody or, you know, is nobody in, in the realm of college coaches that we know and love, you know, the the Ed O's and the. Mick Saban's and Dabo Sweeney's of the of the league, like those guys, you know, we uh, well, actually, Ed Orgeron is, is is another example of a guy who is getting a, yes, a paid. Yeah, is, is getting a paid a, a big buyout right now. Um, and so actually, might, Matt might talk about him. And if not, then I might touch up on him a little bit. But yeah, like there, you have those guys, but then you have the Tom Allens of the of college football who are making insane amounts of money and you've never even really heard of their name before. So that's uh, that was very good on Matt's part for bringing somebody up like that, because, again, nobody I, I guarantee you that if you're listening to this, you had no idea either that Tom Allen existed or that he was making such a big buyout or making so much money in his buyout. So, um, yes, props to Matt for bringing that up. Go ahead with your other two, Matt. OK, so these are the top two schools that are paying out the most dead money to head coaches, assistant coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, whatever it may be for the last 10 years. Okay. Cause like I said, you can fire a head coach and pay him a hefty buyout, but you can also fire your assistant coach. If you're, you know, your offensive talent is, is really good. And your offensive coordinator is not doing the greatest fire him, but Hey, he had a contract. So you got to honor it and you got to pay him still. Okay. You're the two schools with paying the most dead money. Because again, this is saying, you know, dead money is, is the kind of your combination of all the money that you're paying to the coaches that you fired because they haven't done well enough or, or lived up to the, uh, what is expected of them based on the contract that you signed with them. So number two, I'm going to go number two first and the number one, number two is Nebraska, a very middling big 10 program who is, not done much in the last 10 years had some real success in the early 2000s actually won championships back then and and just haven't hasn't really put anything together in the last 10 years and it shows because they're paying out a total of 25.8 million dollars to 31 different coaches okay so you gotta synthesize this a little bit okay so 25.8 million let's call it 26 million dollars that they're paying in one year you know paying out to 31 different coaches so it's past head coaches it's assi- it's assistant coaches it's assistant head coaches it's you know strength coach your quarterback's coach your 
linebackers coach, whoever it may be, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, whoever it may be, the university has somewhere in its accounting, somewhere in its budget facilitation, $26 million being paid out to coaches who don't even coach at the university anymore. They're not employed by the university. They haven't done anything to deserve this con to, to deserve this money, but they signed the contract. So they're owed the money. And that's what Nebraska has to deal with. And that's just an example of what, you know, what's going on here. And the number one team is, is the craziest example, but you're not going to, well, you're, you're all going to believe it. You're just not going to, you're not going to be surprised by, you know, what the numbers are here. And that is Auburn who has had success, all right? You had Gene Chizik in 2000, I think 2005 or something, won the national championship, got fired the very next year. You had Gus Malzahn, won the NCAA championship, I think in 2011. Stayed there for a good, I think, eight, seven or eight more years because he had some years in there where he beat Alabama, a la the kick six, okay? You had, you know, some good years with, with Auburn there. He didn't cut it, though. He got fired. He's at UCF now actually doing really well because he's actually a good football coach, but the fans couldn't stand it. Hey, another year of seven and six and we're kicking you out. Gus Malzahn, despite all the nine win seasons, the national championship that he had the, I think two or three iron bowl wins against Alabama, not going to do it. Okay, fine. So they fire him. He's making a big buyout. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Auburn is paying out $31.2 million this season to 20 different coaches. Okay. Let's think about the numbers on that. Hayden's shaking his head. Hayden like can't even like, he's like, what's going on right now? This can't be real. And I'm coaches. telling you that it is exactly. And the crazy part about this, Nebraska is paying $26 million to 31 different coaches. So, you know, that's a lot of different coaches. Not a lot of them are even making, you know, more than a million dollars per year. Auburn is paying out 30 over $31 million to just 20 coaches, essentially saying that, you know, those coaches averaging out are being paid over a million dollars, but it actually goes deeper. Seven of those coaches are receiving over a million dollars. So seven coaches of the 20 total coaches are making over a million dollars, which essentially means that, you know, averaging them out, they're making over, you know, over $3 million, right? Because they're paying all the other coaches probably, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, which sounds like a lot, but then you think about it and it's like Gus Malzahn, I think is probably making, you know, four or $5 million a year just on his buyout. Right. So that's the type of money we're talking about guys. And, and again, I know this has been a kind of a long segment here and talking about buyout and dead money, but like the point of all of this is to say that the universities have so much money to be paying out in dead money to coaches, to employees of the university who do not even work for them anymore, who didn't do their job correctly because they didn't last long enough, but they're still making the money on the, on the back end because they entered into the contract. The universities have a lot of money. All right. So, so let me get, I'm just going to, cause you know, cause, cause Hayden had a pretty good reaction to, uh, to, to me saying that these buyout and these dead money contracts, I'm going to give him a chance to kind of explain, you know, what he thinks about the dead money loop that in Hayden to then kind of what we've been talking about with how the, how the schools have a lot of extra money to pay. I'll go back to the TV contract from the last episode in case, you know, people are what kind of listening to this episode, not the last one. I'll go back into the TV contract where then we're going to wrap this up and kind of basically make our final argument. All right, go ahead, Hayden. So one thing I was going to add to um, to well to Matt, you know, talking about how these schools have so much extra money that they're paying to coaches and not only just a few coaches and not only head coaches, which we've been covering for most of this episode. We've really only been talking about head coaches. But like Matt underlined, you've got your strength and conditioning coach that's probably making 800 K, you know, and he's not even working for the university anymore. So um, you've got you've got 
lots of different pieces to the puzzle here and lots of different coaches being paid for their duties that they're not even fulfilling. So um, yeah, just, just, just an extra thing to add in here before Matt goes into the whole TV deal situation. Again, if you haven't listened to the last episode, you'll get a little taste of that a little taste of last episode right now or coming up pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. But um, there's actually uh, an example with Brian Kelly, who is now LSU's new head coach. So I was, I kind of foreshadowed um, me talking about Ed Orgeron, who I think, I think his buyout. So LSU fired him and told him to leave. And it was because it wasn't really because he was doing bad in terms of coaching. It was because more of like his personal life. I think we've talked about it before actually on, um, on this podcast. So yeah, I won't go too deep into that, but I think his buyout is 16.9 million or something like that. So basically 17 million. And so he's getting paid some big bucks um, just to leave LSU. And Brian Kelly is coming in from Notre Dame and listen to this. So like Matt said, 10 million a year is kind of the new, it's kind of the, the general salary that all these new big coaches are making to, to come to these bigger programs. Right. Cause I mean, Ed Orgeron won the national championship with LSU back in 2019 with possibly the greatest college football team that we've ever seen play on a football field. And right. He got, he got fired two seasons later um, because again, like I said, more of personal issues and personal life stuff rather than actual coaching issues, but right. LSU, I mean, LSU hasn't really been as good, nearly as good as they were with Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Justin Jefferson, all those great guys. So Brian Kelly now coming into LSU, he's going to be making a base of $9 million a year. So like we said, $10 million is kind of the, the general salary being, being given out to a coach like Brian Kelly, who's coming from a very big program in Notre Dame to another big program in LSU. Now, listen to this. Just, just, just get a load of this. You want to talk about how much money schools are willing to give out and willing to just throw at coaches let's give a half a million dollars to brian kelly if they have better than a 500 record so if they if they win more games than they lose this season the lsu tigers who again are one of the better teams in the sec sec is the toughest conference in college football we know that so it is kind of big shoes to fill but i mean brian kelly he's coached at notre dame for a good while and so he's he's got a taste of of what it's like to coach at a big time school and to, and what it's like to coach against other prestigious uh, opponents, I guess is, is, is what I'm trying to say. He's getting half a million dollars, $500,000. If the program wins half of their regulars, sorry, it's, it's not even uh, better than 500. If, if they do go 500 or better, he gets a $500,000 bonus. Okay. He's also going to earn a $500,000 longevity bonus if he if he remains at LSU this upcoming season. So if, if he's, if he stays there for one year and if he's not so bad that he has to get fired during the season, which has been kind of a common theme for teams over the past couple of years that we've seen, I think Virginia tech TCU um, I'm blanking on a couple others, but yeah, I mean, Virginia tech fired Justin Fuente during the season last season, I'm pretty sure. So um, we've seen that happen recently, but right. If Brian Kelly comes in and he doesn't get fired this season, he's going to earn a $500,000 longevity bonus. So he's getting basically a million dollars for doing two things that 
you're basically bound to do. And they're, they're kind of linked too, because right. If, I mean, if he goes, if he doesn't win half of his games, there's probably a pretty good chance that they're going to fire him. Right. So if he wins half of his games and, or if he wins more than half of his games, if he goes seven and five or seven and six, like Matt was saying, he's going to get that uh, he's going to get that winning half of his games bonus. And then he's also going to get that longevity bonus because they're assumably not going to fire him. So there you go there. He's making his $10 million um, because he's getting a million dollars on top of his base $9 million. So there's just a little insight to, uh, to how some of these incentive bonuses work. They're, they're not even really incentives, right? I mean, players have incentives because it's like, Oh, in the NFL, if you get, you know, if you're a receiver and you get a thousand yards in a season, you get a certain amount of money. And it's usually it's only like, I don't know, 300,000 or something like that. But these coaches, these college coaches, are getting so much money from their schools just to have a, a, a 500 record and stay there for that year, which again is that's a decision that's made by the school, not by the coach. It just shows you how much money these, these schools are just pouring into their coaching jobs. So there you go. Yep. So now I'm going to go back to the TV deal money that we talked about in last, in the last episode, because again, we're kind of, we're kind of getting to this spot where the, we're realizing that really the NCA doesn't really have much to do uh, with, you know, with all of the, the changes and, and what's going to be happening in college sports, NIL money, you know, and paying the students as, or paying the players as employees, all that stuff. We're moving towards where I think the schools here are, are a little bit more to blame, or at least are going to kind of become liable for the stuff that we're talking about, you know, in the future a little bit here. So going back to the TV deal last episode, I gave the example of the big 10, which is signing their new TV deal next year. And I said that if, if the big Ten if the big 10 signs the TV deal for having 20 teams in their conference, that it would be about just over a billion dollars per season. Okay. And again, the, the way the TV contracts work in college sports is the TV network. So ESPN, ABC, CBS, all these, you know, big channels that, 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 you know, show the games on their, on their television network, they pay the conference a large sum of money to be able to show the game on their network. And then the conferences distribute all of that money to the teams equally. Okay. So Alabama is the best team in college football. Vanderbilt is probably the worst team in college football, or at least in the sec Vanderbilt and Alabama are both going to be making the same amount of money from the TV deal. And that's kind of, then again, another reason why, if you're a really bad team in one of these conferences and you say, why would you ever want to stay in this conference because you're only going to keep losing? Well, hey, if school makes an extra $50 million a year, you'd want to stay in that conference and take a couple losses because then you can just put that money elsewhere, right? So now what I'm going to kind of summarize this with is I assumed a 20-team conference. And by the time we hit you know, this time next year, I don't think the Big Ten will have accrued four more teams from other you know big conferences it, yeah again it may happen but we have a whole season to go from that time whatever right most of the time for these bigger conferences they're going to have at least at this point signing the tv deals they're going to have 15 teams okay which essentially is a fourth of everything that i said last episode and what i said last episode is the way that the money works out each team is getting paid 50 million dollars based on the contract with the tv deal however if we're going to take that down to 15, which is a better average for the, all these conferences that are, you know, that are entering into these TV deals. It's around $75 million. It's not 50, it's 75. And so you think about this, right? All of this combined, and, you know, we're going to kind of wrap it up here, but basically $75 million for a TV deal. 
that's just extra money. It's probably going somewhere, right? But that's a lot of money. Then this entire episode, as we've talked about all the coaches and their buyouts and their mega expensive contracts and all of this, hey, Auburn, over $30 million a year to buyouts to employees, to coaches who are not affiliated with the university whatsoever anymore. Okay, so you think about that. If you're getting $75 million in a TV deal and you're spending $30 million in buyouts to coaches and dead money, that's over $100 million of just, just money, just money, $100 million. Like, we can't even comprehend how much money that is because you're never, only, you're never going to see that type of money in your entire life unless you become Mark Zuckerberg, right? So that's what that's the argument here is that We've kind of been bashing on the NCAA, and yes, there are things to bash on the, on the NCAA for, but in this new age of name, image, and likeness deals, paying the players, whether that be, you know, scholarship initiative, whether that be just, you know, treating the players as employees, whether that be just kind of, you know, extending the name, image, and likeness deal and just paying the players based on what their worth is or, or what they think that the, the boosters will want to pay them or you know a, a, a local car company or restaurant is going to pay these players. Whatever that ends up looking like, the bottom line is it's going to be the schools that are liable for this. The NCAA doesn't have anything to do with whatever they're paying the players. The NCAA doesn't have anything to do with the NIL deals that these players are going to be signing and thus the NCAA doesn't have really any power that's going to exist once the NIL and, you know, really, you know, treating the players as employees and all this stuff kind of comes to light. Now, again, it's going to take a couple of years because there's no regular, there's absolutely no regulations on any of this stuff, right? So that's all going to have to be figured out eventually. So the NCAA is still going to exist for the, at least the next couple of years. But once this stuff really starts to get going here, um, the NCAA really doesn't have any any place in this. And, and so you kind of think then, you know, what what will happen? And that's where in the, in the next episode, we're going to kind of get into what our predictions are for the future, right? Because we talked about, you know, last two episodes, we kind of introduced it, you know, what is the NCAA here for? You know, what were their kind of rules and guidelines around paying, paying the players or allowing the players to profit off of their name, image, and likeness? Prior to, you know, kind of this last year when it first all got started, the last episode then we went into kind of, you know, breaking down the NCAA makes a lot of money. Somehow they quote unquote spend it all. Um, can some of that be re, you know, reallocated to the players? Well, maybe not, because really in all these court cases and all the laws that we looked up, it doesn't really affect the NCAA because they're not the ones who are directly, you know, employing the athletes. So now in this episode, we have proof of the TV deals, which are, you know, insane amounts of money. We have proof of the buyouts to coaches and the contracts that they're, that these, you know, teams are, are paying to coaches, which are just astronomical and, and really, you know, too much, if you ask me. Um, and, and we're starting to figure out that that really all of this kind of comes back on the schools and, and they make so much money. And obviously, you know, as anyone who's been to college or trying to go to college, even just as a regular student, we've seen, you know, tuition prices increase like 10,000% in the last 30 years. And so it's like on top of all the stuff that they're making just from the sports programs alone, you also have kids who, you know, are just growing up in middle-class families and, and, you know, paying out of their butts just to go to school and, you know, get an education to begin with. So it's the schools. I think it's the schools. And I think that's kind of our, our conclusion here on this whole you know situation of, of what is nil going to look like what is the ncaa responsible for is the ncaa going to exist 
you know, that's kind of what we've, what we've come to here. And so then I think that's why in the next episode, that's going to be kind of our, our big kind of conclusion and predictions, right? So what do we think is, is, is college, what do we think college sports is going to look like in the future where, you know, we'll, we'll each have, you know, some, some fun options, some, you know, deeply thought out or kind of loose predictions of what could happen. Uh, but ultimately it's, it's going to be pretty fun. And I think that's kind of the whole point of this is to really say like, Hey, not many people are talking about it, but it's just completely unprecedented what's going on right now in collegiate athletics and everything is going to change probably for the better, but we're going to have to kind of wait and see for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I think at this point, Matt and I should just create a whole different entity. That's like the NCAA, but factors in everything that we've talked about to this point and our solutions in the next episode can be the blueprints to that entity that is going to be the governing body of college athletics that would be cool but it, well, it's not gonna happen but yeah we be... just we just need to come up with like eight billion dollars somehow it, yeah. it'll be pretty it'll probably be pretty easy we just kind of need to just do it you know yeah i mean well i mean if our listeners shared and and uh and yeah and talked about our podcast with their friends and family maybe we would be making eight million no i'm kidding um yeah but that that about wraps up our episode one thing that that got me thinking that was part of Matt's kind of final spiel there was um, I think there was a, I think there was kind of like a, not a scandal, but there was, there was talks of Cliff Kingsbury, I think maybe becoming Oklahoma's new head coach when they were still trying to find a head coach before they found uh, Brent Venables or before Brent Venables became their new head coach. But I think there was kind of talks of Cliff Kingsbury leaving the Cardinals and going back to college football you guys know that he, he came from, I think it was Texas Tech, right? He was, yeah, came from Texas Tech, went to Arizona, went up and went up to the pros. But apparently he was thinking about going back down to college because college coaches are making so much money and they're essentially making whatever NFL coaches are now making. And because of the fact that, right, being fired from a college or going to a college um, and, you know, getting this all this guaranteed money and being fired and not doing well, it's not even really – like you're not even losing money. You're just, you're going to make money no matter what, because colleges are guaranteeing so much money to coaches to come and, you know, to come in and, and do their programs, at least some kind of good, but right. That's, it wouldn't be a bad idea. And I think that we might see some NFL coaches start doing that. And I think once one does that goes from the NFL back down to college, or if they started coaching, well, you know, most coaches don't do that, but right. If they go from the NFL back down to college, I think if, if we see one coach do that, we might see a lot more do that and kind of follow suit. But um, again, that, that might be, that's kind of just something that's one of my predictions for the future, um, which I guess I can talk about more next episode if, if, if need be, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for next episode. Again, it's going to be kind of, it's going to be the fourth and final episode of this stretch of NCAA doomsday. But again, this is not going to really be the end of, of this segment, obviously with football season coming up, we're not going to be, doing full episodes often, but, uh, but as, as new things come up, you know, there's obviously going to be changes and, and um, new surprises with NIL being, you know, fresh and new this season. Um, there's definitely going to be some, some news coming out during the season and as well as after throughout the off season. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got a lot of, lot ahead of us very long road ahead of us but um but yeah we're gonna take it on as it comes and 
yeah, be stoked for next next episode because we are, and um, it's going to be a fun one. That being said, it will probably be, well, it's going to be August by the next time you hear from us. So yippee for August um, years flying by already. It's going to be seven months done of the year. Yeah. Time's flying by. All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to sign off for today. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.